Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nuanceo YouTube channel. Today, we're getting into some heavy topics around all of the things that you know the church loves to do. Teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes, if they can get around to it. Cover up, essay, and different horrible things that they do behind back doors and bribe people. You know, they love it. You know, they're known for it. Today, I am joined by my friend Shalise from Cults to Consciousness. We just did a live stream about Tim Ballard over on her channel. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you are joining us over there and jumped over here. And if you just started here when you're done, jump over there and watch our breakdown of all of the newest information on Tim Ballard over there. So Shalise has been kind enough to come on my channel and help me break down a lot of the news that is really heart-wrenching and disgusting that has broken lately on these cover-ups around SA and all the abuse you know the church is known for. So welcome, Shalise. Shalise hey, to the Karen. channel. Hi, Thanks for having me. Yes, I love your new studio setup. Someone was mentioning it, mentioning it in the comments. It looks great. Well done. Thank you. I had a lot of work to do to move my whole house around and to... Should we display my new bookends that I got yes. that I solidified? <laughs> so that's the only happy thing that's going to be about really either of our videos right now that'll bring joy yeah. to everyone is these is very yassified <laughs> bookends <laughs> of Joseph and Brigham that I've added to my set. Thank you very much. Oh, so, so, so good. Yeah, we're here to talk about some not so happy stuff today. Major trigger warning for this, guys, talking mm -hmm. about CSA, child, C child CSA child sa and all the dirty filthy things the church is doing to keep their name out of the tabloids which in fact had the backfiring effect because guess what we're talking about the ways that they tried to cover it up so we have a lot to talk about as kara just mentioned we just came from our channel where we went into depth about some updates with tim ballard so if you're interested in that topic i know kara has covered it here extensively and she's doing an incredible job if you want a few more updates you can go over to my channel after this if you didn't already come from there and if you did hi welcome thanks for coming okay so should i just dive into this yeah the there's been a lot of kind of new bombshells new recordings new things that have come out and i know that you've covered uh like five different ones so much mm -hmm. so many different investigations and reports that have gone on so what would you say um is one of the the newer things that has broken that people may not be aware of quite yet if they haven't followed the news. Yeah, so the newest one that came out, which is kind of, I believe, the catalyst for everything else resurfacing because a lot of these have not happened recently. They happened decades in the past and survivors are now finally telling their stories and coming forward. But the most recent one was the Arizona case. It's been going on for the past couple years, but the case was recently dismissed. And I hope I don't get any of the language wrong. We had Colby Reddish, who is an attorney, talk about it on my page because sometimes I get the lingo wrong, but I'm doing my best. So basically, the cliff notes of that in Arizona, a bishop failed to report incestuous CSA to authorities, and the father continued abusing two of his daughters beginning in infancy for years. So the lawsuit was. Well, let me give you the story first. So essentially, this dad goes into his bishop. If you're not familiar with Mormon culture, you have to confess your sins. 
And he tells them, I've been abusing my daughter. The bishop calls the abuse hotline, which is what they're supposed to do according to the church rules, the handbook. And the hotline goes directly to not someone who can help this child, but to lawyers. And it's the Curtin and McConkie Law Firm, which is the the people who basically represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Eldios Church, a.k.a. Mormonism. And they said, under no circumstances are you to report this. They didn't say you have the option to, you don't have to, because in Arizona, they're not a mandatory reporting state. So the bishop thought that he didn't have the option to report it. And what happened was this dad continued to abuse not only that daughter, but his next daughter who was recently born after that. The only reason he was caught was because someone from Homeland Security way over on the other side of the world is either Australia or New Zealand, I can't remember which one, found videos that this dad had put online abusing Ugh. these children and traced it back and then it came out. So because the bishop didn't report it, of course, now we know he went on to abuse his other daughter. So they were suing the church for not doing anything about it. And the church was happy that the case was dropped because they're not a mandatory reporting state. So they're like, well, we just followed the law. We didn't have to report it, which is not the point. The point is you should, whether you're legally obligated to or not, and to make matters worse, we find out that the Mormon Church, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Catholic Church were all lobbying, spending money to make it so the law stayed the same because they don't want to have to report child abuse to authorities. So that's the major one that just happened. And now a lot of things are coming out like, okay, what are some other ways the church has tried to cover this up or really just protect the reputation instead of the children? Mm -hmm. Everything is about good PR and not actually serving the best interest of the children and victims, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I just wanted to also add for this live stream. Yes, we are live. Um, it also helps the channel out a lot. Any super chats that you want to donate on YouTube right now are totally welcome. That helps tremendously. Yes. And if you have anything you want to ask or say to me and Shalise right now, go ahead and leave a super chat and I'll try to throw it up on screen. So that is some heart-wrenching stuff. As we know, there are some states that are mandatory reporters and some states that aren't. And as you mentioned in your video on your channel that what Jehovah's Witnesses Catholic Church and the Mormon Church, really suspicious because all of them have fought against wanting to have states be mandatory reporters, correct? Like mm -hmm. that tells you a lot of the things that you need to know. So mm -hmm. anything else that from your reports and investigations that you want to say about what you know, how the church has fought against being mandatory reporters and what that kind of looks like, like even in California where they're supposed to be mandatory reporters and they still right. try to circumvent that. Yeah. So actually there's a case that I wanted to talk about from California and essentially what happened is the church allegedly fostered and encouraged the silence and the cover-up of CSA, including that of a three-year-old girl. So what happened in this case, this was all, I'm going over cases that are in an article in the Daily Mail by Miles Dilworth. Um, he's actually put me in contact with some of these people and we are doing interviews with them releasing soon. But I just wanted to let you know that's where I'm getting this information from. Kara's going to have the link. She can post it so you guys can read through all of the details if you'd like. 
So this case in California, a 12-year-old boy was assaulting allegedly multiple children. The bishop knew about it because the boy, the perpetrator's father, went and told the bishop. But none of the parents were alerted to what was going on. And then when the parents of a three-year-old girl found out that her do- that their daughter was one of the victims, of course they were outraged because this could have been prevented. This 12-year-old boy was still allowed to go to youth activities, be around other kids. Nothing was done. Nothing was reported to the authorities. And the church said, well... Even though California is a mandatory reporting state, the church said, well, the dad is the one who let us know the information wasn't obtained during a confession, as in the 12-year-old boy didn't come and confess his sins, so it doesn't really count. So now they're using that as a loophole, the opposite of saying, well, we don't have to report it because it wasn't gathered during a confession. So really disgusting. And what makes this even worse The only reason that the church finally notified the authorities of this was because the parents of the three-year-old were so vocal on social media, but it took them 71 days, I believe it was, to actually report it only because their name was getting dragged through the mud in public. And can I just add on that one? That one's really, I won't say really, really, but that one is the most personal To me, um, I know the father that's involved in that story, Um, somebody who was a very faithful Mormon man and Mm. paid millions of dollars in tithing as a successful like entrepreneur in uh, Riverside and in L.A. And um, I've had dinner with him. I've met with him. I've heard his story personally. And somebody who had children who uh, are honestly adopted, I think who were actually taken from one horrible circumstance that he was hoping would be a better circumstance for them within the LDS church. And when you are Mormon, you do believe that like, this is a healthy place to raise kids and nothing being done um, about this abuser continuing to be able to go about things. And I'm sure that the, the, there's lots of other children that this young boy abused as well, but hearing the story mm-hmm. firsthand from the dad um, and how it just completely rocked his faith. And so many people lose their, their literal faith in the Mormon church for all kinds of reasons, obviously, but hearing firsthand how he went from believing in the church with his entire heart, mind, and soul, donating millions of dollars to tithing, and then being, being so gaslit and so, um, just manipulated and told that you cannot get any justice within the system and being so silenced and having nothing done on behalf of his children that were abused and him fighting for like, I thought this is what we do in the church. I thought we stand up for people. And, and it's one of those things that people just don't understand until it happens to them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. always like somebody else's kid, something happens, somebody else, but it is one of the most horrific ways to come face to face with the systemic abuse, cover up issues in the church. So um, that story is really sadly kind of dear to my heart. And I know personally how much it has wrecked this family yeah. and is um, going to have problems for years and years to come. So um, I, I also pulled up the article that you were mentioning. Um, I think, nope, that's not the one. That's a good one. I like that. So this was the article that you were mentioning, right? <laughs> um, I will leave uh, the link to it. I think so. Uh, Mormon leaders accused of covering up a decades-long epidemic mm, of sexual yeah. abuse. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that word, 
the algorithm's not going to really like us. <laughs> it's B okay. Word, I, we've said it before. The I word. And in, yeah, incest <laughs> that rivals yeah, scandals in Catholic Church. The one before. Victims say perpetrators are protected, but the abusers are forced to forgive their attackers. Um, mm -hmm. this, it was this the kind of article that you were mentioning as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where else do you want to take us? So the next one. Oh, that sorry. One second. About, or the first one. Yeah. Sorry. One pause. One second. Who I was mentioning. I didn't know if his name was public in this, but it is. So the man I was mentioning just now that is he has a Mormon stories episode as well. And his name is Jared um, right here. This is him and his wife. This is uh, they have a Mormon stories episode as well um, about their oh, children who were adopted, who were abused by this boy that was allowed to continue to abuse other people, as you mentioned. So check out that Mormon stories episode. I'll try to link it after this airs. Okay. Where else did awesome. you want to take us? Sorry, I just wanted to so add that. I am going to the one in Oregon. So in Oregon, three women have accused the church of failing to protect them from a Mormon doctor who allegedly assaulted more than 200 female patients. So this man, he was a stake president and he was using his authority to basically groom and lure these women into his office, get them as patients, and then under the guise of performing routine assessments on them or physicals or whatever, he would assault them. And this article goes into some awful details. I don't know if you want to read any of them, but we're talking about digital penetration, fondling, um, even... Oh, geez, there's so many things. Um, obviously under the guise of I'm a doctor and this is what's good for you. But they all knew obviously something was off, something was wrong. One woman was gained as his patient because they met through church and she was pregnant at the time. She became his patient. Baby was born at the two week old checkup. He fondled her breasts during that appointment. So over 200 female patients have come forward about this man and over 200. Two so it says in Oregon. It says three of them Whoa. were from the Mormon church, three of them that they've spoken to in the article. I don't know how many of the 200 were also Mormon. I'm not sure. But yes, over 200 female patients have come forward. They're trying to get him obviously um, taken in in Oregon. They're doing their best to get him wow. convicted. He's since moved to, I think it was Utah. And what's what makes it worse is the fact that, as far as we know, he was never given any sort of disciplinary counsel. He was never excommunicated. He just goes on to do whatever he's doing. He retired, I believe, in Oregon from his medical practice, but that's not to say that he couldn't start back up again in Utah and continue to abuse and assault other people. So this is one of the cases where the church just didn't do anything about it. And he's a stake president. So that's a very high calling to hold in the church. Mm-hmm. So this man and that's Oregon, him. That's him right there. Farley had his license revoked by the Oregon Medical Board in 2020 after a panel of medical professionals found he sexually abused minors under the guise of a puberty study. Wow. Wow. So, okay, it says that his license was revoked because in a different part of the article, it said that he had retired. So I don't know. I'm glad it was revoked for that specific reason. And I hope that he doesn't try and get it reinstated in a new state. But yes, it says everyone retired from his sad. organ practice a month before his license. Oh, was that's revoked. what it was. That's what Double it was. Double whammy. Yeah. But it says here, but the women believe 
He has since moved to Idaho and then Utah, where he is still an active member of the church community with nothing stopping him from practicing again. So your his license is only revoked in one state. I know of mm-hmm. children in the area he's living at right now who he is attending church with. He still is around children gaining trust in the community. He's a very dangerous man. So this is, again, um, the church will not tell you these things. And so we have to make as much noise to let people know that there are so many disgusting people and perpetrators that can go under the noses of church communities. People can be called into into whatever calling they can in new areas and wards because they don't have background checks and you can honestly move into a new ward and nobody would be the wiser about what you did in a different state. Yeah. And they're supposed to have their file annotated, but from what I've been finding from other people, like we just did a live with Michael Benjamin, he was saying that this perpetrator who was in his ward, his file was either not annotated or they ignored it. And he continued to abuse other people in that ward and is now in prison for it. So there's supposed to be extensive records kept on these people, but if no disciplinary counsel was held, if he never spoke to a bishop about it, it's just not on his records and he can continue to groom and abuse people wherever he goes. Uh, This kind of reminds me of, the, the name is escaping me, but that one gymnastics doctor from a couple of years oh, ago who's right. in prison now for saying that he was like helping girls with their back problems by putting his hands inside of them, like young, young girls. Oh my gosh. And when you just don't know what your rights are and you just assume there's a man in power above you and he knows what's what, um, so many things can, can go on. And this is not uncommon in, I think just generally, uh, American Christian society that's not really educated on sex or anything and nobody right these things can uh, so that that just reminds me like here where it said that um uh that he went on to uh, sexually abuse and harass her on t- at least 10 occasions including digitally penetrating her vagina and perform- performing non-consensual membrane sweeps of her vagina the lawsuit states Medley recalled one particular traumatic incident in 2019 in which she claims Farley tried to sexually stimulate her by fondling her with his ungloved hand during a pap smear. Holy. I just remember being in my car after and sobbing uncontrollably. So these are as heavy and disgusting traumatic experiences. And there is somebody who did that who is probably taking the sacrament right now in their new ward. (laughs) This. I don't know where this accountability is going to come if people do not make videos like this and write articles like this. So thank you guys Mm -hmm. for being here. I just wanted to quickly do a shout out to everyone who's left a super chat that helps support the channel tremendously. Thank you, Bill, for the 20 bucks. Leland for the 20 bucks. My hero, another 20 bucks. David Farley is my uncle. And this just blew my mind when I heard this. Wow. Email me later. Let's talk. Oh, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me everything. Goodness. I'll try to try to update everybody if you have anything else you want to add on that okay wow so i think one bef- oh sorry did you want to move on sh- nope you said what you want to say. <laughs> i was just gonna say i think it's important to know and to really paint the picture here of what it's like being mormon in the church and having submission as a woman to your patriarchal leaders mm-hmm. patri- uh priesthood leaders i think that when you have someone in a position of power like that you are more likely to submit. And like you said, when you aren't given any sort of sex education aside from abstinence only, you don't even really understand, 
you can have certain boundaries, especially in a doctor's office where if he's doing a pap smear, which already I hate them so much and I always get I female doctors so because I'm like, oh. oh, do we have to like pop open the, the trunk and look in there? But I think that in that case, it's really difficult when you have these different layers, when you have the layers of authority within a church leadership role, when you have the layers of purity culture and you're taught to be ashamed of your body, you're taught to never touch yourself, stimulate yourself. So I don't know, maybe she's never done that before. Maybe she didn't really know what was going on. Some people don't even know the names of their anatomy. Now, I'm not saying that the church is against knowing the names of the anatomy, but they are definitely not for teaching you any of that. Um, it's like, don't talk about it. That's it. And then when you have or when you get married, have all the sex and all the babies. So there's just so much going on here that lent itself to this abuse happening and I wanted to point out all of those things so people really knew who aren't familiar with Mormon culture that it does play a big part in this. Yep. And I want to add China's comment here that says an active church member, dentist, stake president. I'm sure there must be a mistake. There's right. a lot of uh, people in positions of power where you just kind of uh, outsource what your intuition would tell you would be good for you to somebody else who will take that intuition and misuse it and tell you that you are going to do as they say now. And mm -hmm. that's the entire problem with religion and all kinds of different cult mentalities, guys. Yeah, it's, it's just really sad and unfortunate. Thank you, guys. I also wanted to add um, Leland. Is that who we were talking to? Um, yes. Interview. <laughs> Leland, message me, email me later. My email's down below if you want to have an interview on my channel. Especially, I'm going to, I'm stealing the old Mormon stories, cults to consciousness brand. I'm going to start doing more in person interviews. <laughs> I have a studio set up right over there as well. If you're awesome. In so that's great. Rivals, but I, <laughs> I, I do not no. handle this kind of stuff as much as well as you do. Just the Tim Ballard stuff that's come up has triggered so much shit in my own life where I, uh, mm. I'm like, I need to take several breaks from how disheartening all of this information is. It's tough. It's tough, tough, yeah. tough. So, yeah, okay. it's a lot to talk about. So, okay, the next one. In Colorado, bishops are accused of perpetrating or perpetuating a cycle of incestuous ab abuse within a toxic family by failing to report it to the authorities and parents. So this is with a woman named Katie. I actually did an interview with her. We're supposed to be releasing that tomorrow. So heartbreaking story. She already had kind of a rocky childhood as far as abuse goes within the home itself. A lot of neglect, which lent to her oldest brother assaulting her older sister. And she didn't know what was going on. And unfortunately, the oldest brother assaulted multiple siblings. He goes off on a mission the sister, through counseling, it finally comes out that she had been essayed by her brother. She tells the bishop about it, and the bishop says, we're going to keep this a secret because it would be too embarrassing to bring a missionary home early and have him met with police. And so he also didn't even alert the parents to it. So he just said, we're going to keep this a secret. So later, it comes out what had happened, and the, the heart of this story is that the abuse within the family could have been stopped because during this time, 
the next brother started assaulting Katie. Mm, And so the abuse kept going because they were all just in this cycle and were not getting help and the parents didn't know about it. When the parents did finally find out about it, the dad was extremely vocal, went straight to the top of the church, said, you are accountable for this. This is not okay. And the church, I will give them credit, did pay for some services for Mm -hmm. therapy for these kids. And what happened was after a while, they're like, you guys are getting too expensive. We're cutting you off. Here's a check and just gave Mm -hmm. them $150,000 to basically say, we don't want to be accountable anymore. This is enough. So there's that. So they try to cover it up. Let me just add in here. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say I have pulled up on screen that the church paid out $150,000 and that was settled privately. However, the church did not report the abuse at no point did they report the abuse to the, to the authorities. Um, So that's, that's basically like hush money when the right thing to do is make sure that the law is involved so that this goes on somebody's record. When you, when you, when you commit a, a, like rob a 7-Eleven that's on your record forever but people who uh, abuse their own children or their own siblings and commit these heinous acts that go on within families and within the church those those will never get stopped if they're not reported to the authorities but continue yeah so what we were talking about in her interview was she believes that her family is a big reason that they instated the hotline in 1995. And I think it's because they didn't want to keep hemorrhaging money for bishops who weren't reporting this abuse and having to pay. She thinks that they paid almost $2 million in fees for their therapy. So this hotline gets created and her and her family were like, okay, great. They're trying to make a change. They're trying to do better. And then when she found out that this hotline just goes to the attorneys and that mm-hmm. they're not there to help the kids or to provide extra support, it was really upsetting to her, especially because in the case of Arizona, the first one that we started with, it just surfaced and came out. She was upset to hear that the attorneys from the hotline told the bishop, do not report, not you have the option to, it was don't report anything. And so she's like, what's the point of the hotline if nothing is being done to actually help these kids? And what is the point of, somebody was mentioning earlier in the chat, it's not a hotline, it's a helpline for the church itself to help them. For legal services. For yeah. legal services of, and I, I'm sure we could pull up the clip right now, but I have it memorized anyway of Elder Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, First Presidency, Elder Oaks, making a training video for bishops saying, use the hotline when you are uh, coming face-to-face with somebody reporting abuse, and we will tell you what to do and what the church's legal implications are, uh, which is usually to uh, just, yeah, call up Curtin McConkey and tell the bishop to keep everything secret and on the down low. Not anything that would actually get the authorities involved. And, you know, they don't want that media circus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is the last one, which is, let me make sure I have everyone up. 
In Utah, ecclesiastical leaders allegedly failed to act on reports of a member of the church abusing a young girl, leaving the perpetrator free to essay another woman in 2014. So I believe this person was about 10 years old when she was abused. They did go to the bishop, her and her mother, and the bishop said, absolutely do not report it to authorities. So the bishop told them not to get the law involved and Remember, they are under the umbrella of the patriarchy, under the umbrella of priesthood leaders. They were supposed to do what they were told, so they didn't report it. And because of that, well, not because of that, but also this man went on to abuse somebody else and is now in prison with two life sentences. And so, of course, they are extremely upset upset that the church didn't give them better advice, upset that the church didn't report it themselves because it could have prevented someone else from being abused. Insane. So disheartening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a lot of deep breaths for that one. (laughs) Uh, Do you mind if I read a super chat right now from Kate friend? That's 30 bucks. Thank you so much. That really does help some tremendously on keeping this channel sustainable. Thank you. I am glad you guys are adding your attention and insight to this issue. I am a convert to the RC church. Do you know what that is? I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to explain more. RC church 2010. I uh, watched my chosen church go through a moral and practical reckoning. I know you have a word limit, so I know this isn't your fault. <laughs> if the LDS <laughs> church wants to survive, they must do similar. Right. Like I've been thinking about that a lot that, some at least the Catholic Church has said like a couple things. Um, not that I don't think any major reforms have been made, but the church have they really done anything to acknowledge that this is going on? They just are on the Barbara Streisand effect where they think if they ignore it and they don't bring attention to it, it'll just go away. But yeah, I mean, well, because you Google Mormon Church and people are finding videos like this. I don't know what, how, what are they gonna yeah, do? Yeah, that's the thing. If they were to acknowledge something was going on, that makes it public. And that's their biggest fear. They don't want their members to know that this is going on within their wards, which is why Roman even when things happen within certain wards they don't oh Roman Catholic they don't even alert the ward members like Colby Reddish's story where there was someone offending in their ward I believe I hope I don't get the details wrong and Colby was like hey we need to tell people in the ward that this is happening and they were like no we don't yes you do need to tell people they need to be aware of who their children are going to church with Mm-hmm. Um, the Colby Regis story is one of my all-time favorites. I was there for his interview at Mormon Stories, and what an absolute powerhouse of a couple just standing up for what's right, Yes. regardless of the people in their ward saying, like, you're making a big deal out of this. So what if our bishop, uh, you know, assaulted his kids at one point? It's like, no, actually, that is a big deal. And I think yeah. we should all be aware of that. I'm not – it's always like one of those things It's like one of us is taking crazy pills. I know that I'm not the crazy person when I'm – Go. You can't go above and beyond by standing up for kids when there's a perpetrator in your midst. You really can't mm-hmm. go too hard on that. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can bang that drum and everybody else will say that's a drum that needs to be banged. Um, but it's really, yeah, disgusting and disheartening the way that Colby Reddish and his wife were cast out of their ward for trying to bring attention to that. It's just like yeah. kind of mind virus you guys got, got in there, you know? Colby's amazing. Um, we have him on frequently because he he's like our resident Mormon attorney and he talks about things so eloquently and puts them mm-hmm. out so clearly. I'm and... a resident Mormon attorney. 
you can borrow him. He's great. And yeah, we're going live with him again in a, a few days to talk about another case. But along those lines of people speaking up within the ward, the one that we just covered yesterday with Michael Benjamin, where he was trying to alert ward members about this perpetrator within their midst, and he actually was the one who was punished. They took his callings away. He was a ward chorister, and they said, well, we can't have someone like you standing up in front of the church. Mm-mm just because he was being vocal about, hey, this is going on and this needs to be talked about. And he mentioned in our live yesterday that the church attorneys actually wrote up some affidavits to defend the perpetrator in court. Make that make sense. It just, none of it. What? Yes, they were trying to help the perpetrator in court. Help them exactly how? Like by... By writing affidavits, I don't know all of the details of what that entailed, but the stake president and the bishop both wrote something for this perpetrator, and he found out that those were drafted by Curtin and McConkie. I know too much about your problems, Mormon Church. I have My brain is exploding with all of your problems right now. It's like just when I thought you yeah. couldn't do that, that's they go above and beyond to be the bad guys in this situation, and which is hard because... It's difficult because we know so many of these things. We understand this from a systems point of view and we get it. And it just sucks so bad when other good, faithful members in the church, they just want to have a place to take their kids and go to girls camp and sing the Mm -hmm. songs. And they just are so oblivious to all of the systems that operate kind of under their noses and above their heads. But if their child were to be abused, oh, would they be caught up in it? Like I was mentioning earlier with Jared, oh, would they be caught up and would they understand how much the the system of the church really doesn't give a crap about them, which is unfortunate because yeah. they'll defend it till their dying breath against people like you and me. It's like, leave the church, leave it alone. It's like, I want to make the church a healthier place for you guys to belong to. I want you to be able to have all of those things. I just want the healthiest version of it. I want you guys to understand that Time is ticking out before somebody else in your ward or your stake that they get caught up in some other dentist who thinks he's above the law and can abuse women and children and not get caught because of I mean, mm-hmm. what's gone on all pre- already previous. It's just the time feels like it's just running out until Mormons realize, like, protect your kids, educate them on what perpetrators look like. It's not the scary bad guys that are like Tim Ballard out <laughs> telling them that they are going to be kidnapped and taken to Mexico. I'm like, the people are sometimes the most trustworthy people in most trustworthy people in your community. I'm like, feels Mm -hmm. like time's time's running out. And I wish that Mormons were more receptive, just all religious people, anyone just more receptive that this kind of stuff happens right under your noses and be prepared that you might have to have some cognitive dissonance that the very best people that you've ever known could turn out to do some of the very worst things. Yeah. Right. Could not agree more. Well, that's all I have. That's all you have. Um, I just For wanted now. to add, <laughs> I have not gone into the, there's the other major article from AP, the recordings of how the Mormon church protects itself from child sex abuse claims. And uh, I've been uh, wishing that I could do more on that story specifically. Um, Bill Real, RFM, Rebecca Biblioteca and John DeLynn all have a video on the Mormon Stories channel right now. You can check out on that AP article about those recordings. Have you gotten into that? um, um, Yeah, that's what Chelsea Goodrich, right? The she's the victim of it. So we have a recording with her scheduled this coming week. 
And we're doing an episode with Colby Reddish speaking about the legalities of her case, I think on Tuesday. So yeah, we are going to be covering that. You're going to be covering that. It's one of those things where as a content creator, I just feel like too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm just like, everybody (laughs) else is going to do a great job covering that. Um, But to my Nuanto audience who listens to this podcast of the Mormon History Hoedown, I honestly started this podcast as separate, like a whole new thing where I wanted to start my nonprofit and I wanted to specifically get into Mormon history as much as possible. But the churches had quite a year of just so many things that I have not even begun to crack open my book of the mountain meadows massacre. I have like seven episodes planned on that because yeah. there's so much going on right here. But, um, this is a, a call to the audience of, if you want me to continue to cover new latest breaking things like this or let Shalise and, and Mormon stories and them cover it. Or if I should just go back to, reading my history books and educating people on Mormon history. This is a call out to whoever in the audience, if you want to leave a comment on what you think I should cover next, because it's just so much. Has this not been the most crazy year of Mormon news? I've been ex-Mormon for it a while. Really but this is, <laughs> I can't catch my breath of just how many scandals the church is facing this year. Yeah. Aside from the 2015 thing, I mean, this year has been big. And they just can't catch a break. Thank goodness, because they need to be held accountable and they need a light shined on them because everyone thinks the Mormons are just happy and sweet and nice and kind. And a lot of them are, but the organization itself is very dirty. And so we want to call it out. Right, right. It's all about systems, not people. We hope that Mormons and all religious people feel like we are doing, like I mentioned earlier, just trying to make this a healthier place for you guys to belong to while people who have left the church also can feel validated and understand this corrupt system that they broke away from and feel validated that that's a, a righteous thing to do no matter what your programming tells you. Right. Yeah. So Shalise, uh, any final words, please check out cults to consciousness. They are absolutely the best at doing this broad sweep of all different types of cults interviews, the Amish, <laughs> everything. Thank do, you, you wanna, Kara. do you want to plug anything else that you have coming up? We love you so much. I love you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we just talk about lots of different cults. Mormonism has been a hot topic recently just because of everything that's being unearthed. We're moving on from Mormonism into Children of God. I saw someone mention it in the comments. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, most horrific sex cult that we know of so far. And we just get really dark and icky over there, but we are shedding light on some of the horrible things happening so more people can be aware know how to approach survivors, know how to be more compassionate to those who are still in. It's just a whole perspective shift over there through people's personal stories. So you can always check that out. And yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You can just head on over there if you're interested. And thanks for having me on, Kara. It's always fun. Thanks for with me again. We just did a live stream about Tim Ballard over on Cults to Consciousness. And if I'm correct, when this video wraps up, will people be redirected over to your channel? No, I don't think I don't think it's a loop. I think it just redirects from my video to yours. But I mean, if you click on Cults to Consciousness, it'll be up in the new this week playlist on the front page. 
All right. I'll leave it at the very top of the comments as well. So people don't have to go scrolling through my long description through all <laughs> the places that they can donate. Just like, oh, I don't want to know how I can donate to your donor box to keep you sustainable, Kara. I already know that you have a Patreon called Hotown that has exclusive content on it and a total butt buffet, which has not been updated in a couple months. I already know that you have tons of cool things over on your Instagram. And I already know, get through all, way through all of that merch stuff. <laughs> Health and Consciousness merch, which is dope, but also Nuanto has merch. And my very famous design for the Rocky Mountain Bible fan fiction sex cult makes a fantastic Christmas gift. Stickers, mugs, anything you wanted in, really. T-shirts, sweatshirts. So I should plug that more before Christmas. I have been stressed that I don't make enough money. And Shalise has been really helping me be like, let's do a live stream today. How about today? How about today? Let's so, do it. Yeah. So <laughs> That's one way me. that you could help me out is... Uh, is any donations and super chats and love in the merch store is always welcome. So this has been a fantastic couple hours with you, Shalise. You're always so knowledgeable on everything. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks, Kara. Um, Thank you're you. a good one. All right. I will peace out now. Love you guys so much. Check Thanks, out our other guys. video on Shalise's channel. All right, guys. Love you so much. Bye. Bye.